0: Um, I hate it so much if when I ask a question, someone says no to my request, that I will never ask anything of anyone if there's even a hint that they might say no to me. I take things far too personally, and I'm far too sensitive. But this passage, it's all about boldness, it's all about persistence, and it's all about expectancy. Um, at the beginning of the passage, you'll see that Jesus takes himself away. He takes himself to Tar and Sidon. He wants a rest. He's been busy ministering, and if you just flip through the Gospels, you quickly see that wherever he went, he was followed by crowds of people. So he takes himself away from the Jewish provinces into Gentile territory to try and have a rest with his disciples. But as you can also see, it doesn't go very well for him. His name's gone before him, and before he knows it, here's this Canaanite woman, this Gentile woman, coming to him and asking him to come and heal her daughter. She's desperate. She's a mother, her daughter's ill, and she's longing for someone to heal her daughter. And I don't know if you felt like Jesus Jesus' response. It's it seems really rude. It seems like he's lacking in the compassion that we know him for. At first, when the woman comes to Jesus, he doesn't even answer her. It's only when the disciples say, please make her go away, that he finally responds to this woman. And even then, he's not very kind, it seems. In verse 24, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Basically what he's saying to her is, I haven't come for you, I haven't come to you, so leave me alone. So what, what's going on here? What is Jesus saying? The first question in this passage is, what, why does Jesus respond like that? Well, Jesus isn't just a traveling doctor going around healing whoever he sees. Jesus knows that he has come for a very specific reason, for a very specific mission. And as with all the Gospels, this is another signpost where he's holding up the sign, mainly actually probably to the disciples and saying, Do you see who I am? I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for, that Israel has been waiting for. I have come specifically for Israel." Israel. The Israelites are expecting a Messiah to come to them, to save them. Jesus knows that it's through Israel that he'll save the rest of the world, but that time hasn't come yet. So far, he is just ministering to the Jewish people. And so he's reminding the disciples, Do you see who I am? Do you see that I am the Messiah? And yet, this woman, who is not a Jew, is not put off. Last night, um, at about 2 30 in the morning, right outside our window a car alarm went off and it was like a foghorn in our ear now this happens quite regularly on our road but this is the closest we've ever had it to our house and there was just no way we were going to sleep through this alarm and you know that car alarms are so annoying because they go off for about five minutes and you're just dying for it to stop and then it stops it's so nice and peaceful and just as you're falling back to sleep, bam, it goes again. And this started happening. And Ed and I were trying to work out, okay, is this going to be all night? Because we've got no other room we can go and sleep in. About an hour later, it finally stopped. But car alarms, they have this kind of blind, pointless persistence. That is the complete opposite of what this woman's persistence is like. She comes to Jesus. She's, it's as though She's informed. She has this insight into who he is. It's not just a stab in the dark, another call for help from someone else. It's as though she's intentionally sought Jesus out. She sees who he is and sees what he could do for her. And there's three things that make her faith particularly striking. One, she believes that Jesus can heal her daughter. Two, she calls Jesus the son of David. Now, she's not even a Jewish woman, and yet she's using the Jewish title for Messiah, which is astounding. Even the disciples are only just beginning to get used to the idea that they might be able to use this title for Jesus, and yet that's how she addresses him. And thirdly, she seems to understand Jesus' mission. Jesus, again, is quite rude to her. He calls her, he likens her to a dog who's waiting under the table to eat the food that falls. This was very rude. Jewish people would use the term dog to talk about Gentile people as being inferior. For the Jews, dogs were dirty animals, they were scavengers, they were wild. And yet she takes on this being likened to a dog and says, yeah, sure, liken me to a dog. Even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the table. It's as though she knows What the future holds. She says, Yeah, I know you've come to Israel, but I know that if you've come to save Israel, eventually salvation will then come to the whole world. And then I will get to eat the crumbs from the table. Jesus is astounded. He says, What an answer! What faith! He goes and heals the woman's daughter. So what's this passage about for us? Well, you could say, well, it's a demonstration of a bold faith that Jesus can heal. But actually, I think it's so much more than that. And Matthew is making a far greater statement about this woman's faith. Because she sees into the future. She sees what Jesus will one day do for the whole world. And she comes to Jesus and she says, I can't wait for that future, for your future saving works. My daughter's ill now. I need healing for my daughter now. And so she comes and she wrestles with Jesus in the most dignified way. She pleads with him, please would you bring a glimpse of what is to come in the future into the now. Please would you give me one crumb to eat from now. Please would you come and heal my daughter now, even though I'm really meant to wait until the future, until you've brought salvation to the whole world the question for us i think is what are we settling for in life or to put it another way what should we be badgering god for now part of being a christian is having the permission and the authority to come to jesus and to badger him for things now for the things that we see in the world that we know aren't right, for the things that upset us, for the things that we know when his kingdom come will be changed. Part of our role is to be like William Wilberforce. He sat here and he saw slavery, and instead, like everyone else, thinking this is just a part of life, he saw that actually when God's kingdom come, slavery won't be here anymore, and I'm going to wrestle for that now. I'm going to ask God for that now, for that abolition of slavery now. We live in the now and the not yet. Jesus has ridden, he's ascended, but he hasn't come back yet. We know we've got this glorious inheritance to come. We know that one day God's kingdom is going to come here on earth. But part of being a Christian is not just sitting back and waiting. It's asking God for glimpses of what is to come in the future to break into the present. It's asking for God to come and bring some of his kingdom now. Whether that's healing for someone in your family, whether that's for wars to end, for the poor to be loved and cared for. God loves it when we come and petition him, when we come and wrestle with him and ask him for the things that are on our heart. So if this woman teaches us anything, it's to be bold, it's to be persistent, and it's to come to God with the things we care most about and to pray to him about those things. I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Father, I thank you that you are a father who loves to hear our requests. And I thank you for this challenge, Lord, to to come and wrestle with you, to badge you with the things that are most on our hearts, with the things that break our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would grow our confidence today to do just that. Amen.